0: Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 107. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bilil Springer. This week on the show, we're
1: joined by Steve Gomez, who, recognized as one of the top business system experts in the beauty and wellness industry, will be sharing some key insights into understanding what stories salon and spa numbers share
0: about your performance, and how to coach based on that rather than off emotions. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. How you doing this morning? I'm good, yeah. I'm actually feeling uh, feel really fresh considering it's a Monday. Uh, I don't know why. I think I just like did absolutely nothing this weekend, just kept a chill, and I've just been full of energy today. So maybe I just need to not do stuff at weekends anymore.
1: Yeah, maybe. Well, listen. Like before we get into the show, I know you've been keen about talking about like books that we've been reading and stuff. Uh, we have started doing that. I'm not personally finished Good Strategy, Bad Strategy, so I'm not going to be talking about that. But I do have something instead. If you're if you're down for that, what have we got? So I've been subscribed to. I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin, and um, I've been subscribed to his little prompts for I'd say over well a year. And there is this one that came in recently called "When You're Over Your Head." So he talks about like two different types of problems, big wave problems and deep water problems. So essentially, like he says, you know, if you're known for doing projects that work, usually the stakes go up over time, uh, meaning more inputs, more decisions, more pitfalls. And his analogy, he uses it with water because he's like, well, if the water, if it's a deep water problem, you know, so if you're if you're used to swimming in water, it doesn't matter if the water is six feet deep or 60 feet deep. It's the same principle, it's the same technique. For instance, like if you're giving a speech to a thousand people, it's the same if you're giving a speech to 20,000 people. It's only the narrative about the stakes involved that are different. Whereas if you're used to surfing short waves and then you go over to Asia and face 25 feet waves, the technique is completely different. And so, in that case, he's like, take a lesson or take five. To quote him, actually, he says, give yourself the room to learn. Don't jump from six to 25 in a day. And don't assume that just because you've figured out how to survive at 25, that you're ready for 50. Big waves are usually right next to big reefs. So, long story short, he's like, look at what you're facing this way. Is it a deep water problem or a big wave problem? And, like he explains in his prompt, and to quote him again, our careers often offer us big wave moments. When you see one, don't walk away right away, but get yourself a coach. And it turns out that we do have a coach on the show today. So Steve, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us on Forest FM.
0: Welcome to the show, Steve
2: well it's my honor to be with you guys uh, I, I, I'm I, super inspired Zoe why don't you just keep going that's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that's all I got for today
0: <laughs> I had that, had that one queued up there it's uh, yeah it's about a week or two old that one I yeah. do remember it because we got the email updates but they are they're really cool and for anyone else that does want to check it out Seth Golden he does a mini blog every day day. are only like two three lines maybe a paragraph but it goes out every single day it's just really short and some really good advice like that. But yeah, just bringing it back then to today's show. Welcome, Steve. The last time we were speaking to you was uh, over a few Guinness anyway, definitely (laughs) over a few Guinness. (laughs) Ah,
2: Indeed it was. But uh,
0: (laughs) we're in uh, much better states now. Um, You were actually a speaker at the Salon Owner Summit 2019. Isn't that right?
2: Yes, I was. It was my honor to be with all of you and to be with everybody that was there. It was such a blast. Uh,
0: it was great, Crack. Like, again, fair play to Sinead Carroll and all the team for putting that together. It was phenomenal.
2: Indeed it was. Uh, it, you know, you're only as good as the education that you continually uh, ingest and the people and community that you put yourself around. And events like that are so important to be a part of. While technological advances allow us to do what we're doing right now, uh, and uh, it's and people learn... Whether they learn auditorily, whether they learn visually, whether they learn in person or literally picking up a book and reading. Being in a communal environment with like-hearted and like-minded people that are committed to accelerate growth and transform themselves creates magic. And, And that event certainly was that.
0: Like sometimes it can feel intimidating going to an event like that when you're on your own. But like you said, just like what, what's your objective for being there? W- what goals are you hoping to get out of it? Just focus on those and that will get you through it. So Steve, do you want to share with us what exactly it was you were doing then? You were talking about different styles of learning. You were hosting a workshop, so it was kind of like a facilitation, was it? Correct, correct.
2: Um, I did a, a workshop called Interdependent Leadership. It was based on my book of the same title. And my philosophy is one of inclusion. Uh, it's, it's one thing if, if I'm a salon or spa owner or thought leader to take the time to analyze something, uh, learn something about what's occurring in the business, either culturally, financially or systemically. It's a whole nother ballgame to take that aha that I'm having and build a bridge and get the team over here to my way of thinking, perception and seeing things so my workshop was really just giving people a taste of uh, what are different ways that you can do that in a shorter period of time and why it's so important to get the team involved in not only understanding what's occurring but most importantly in the decision-making process because typically an owner will see something and then go in and tell the team what they're seeing and what needs to be done so then the team uh, if they are aligned with the values and vision of the organization, we'll rally behind it and follow through. But in that moment, you have a group of, of, of soldiers going to fight for where the owner is going. When you are taking the time to, instead of telling the team what you see, first asking questions to find out what they see, and to make them do the digging, to get them as close to what you see as possible, then by the nature of them putting their thinking caps on, they're learning more, they're growing more, they're, they've got more involvement. And the more involved you get somebody, the more you challenge somebody to think about what's happening before just acting. Instead of having a good soldier that's going to go do something that you told them to do, you have somebody who is a thought leader. so now you have a group of leaders who are moving in that direction. Uh, and that's one of one of my commitments to uh, this life and to everybody that that I engage and in our industry is to support people, to first think about what's going on. Uh, if we're all sitting around spending time thinking about it, a lot of times people are like, well, nothing is getting done. No, something is getting done. Thinking through something is actually an action. It's not just let's get up and go sweep the floor faster. It's how can we do that in a way that is done faster? Are we really working uh, hard there and we could be working smarter and what are different ways we can do things? So that's really what I was touching on. I also touched on the importance of of understanding what your key performance indicators are in your business so that you can look at what the numbers are saying to you, because your business is constantly communicating to you and sending you messages. Uh, But if you're not financially organized, you don't have all the raw data that you need in front of you, whether it's from your profit and loss statement and your financials to the empirical data that you can pull from your software. Uh, and If you're you're unable to get that information in in front of you, then typically you're managing from emotion and reaction. You're not managing and leading from something that is undeniable. Um, I think uh, one of my favorite stories about that is um, I got to listen to Jim Collins speak uh, at a iSpot conference that I was presenting at. And he's one of my favorite authors. He wrote a book called Good to Great. We all read it
0: in forest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's an essential requirement. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And, you know. Yeah, it was wonderful to read the book and then years later get a chance to hear him. And he shared the story about the race to the North Pole and how it came down to two guys that wanted to get to the center of the North Pole. And the one gentleman that won, he won because he was using empirical data to lead him and guide him. He was charting the path. He didn't just have maps, but he was he was using geometry and and calculus, and and he was really... Uh, getting clear about the weight and measures of his sled and the inertia put out by the dogs and the conditions and the environment that they were in and just charting everything mathematically to get to where they needed to get to and they won the race. And it's, it's one of my favorite analogies as it relates to the ability of you don't have to go faster to get there. You have to start by understanding what's occurring, what you have to work with, who you're working with, and then how you wanna go from there. Typically, we're trying to figure out the house stuff first. So my session really danced around those type of things. How to understand where we are, what's the starting point, why are we there, uh, what, what are all the tools we, that, that, that we should be using. And the two most important ones in the time that I had to be with everybody at the summit uh, that I wanted to convey is, Get the empirical data in front of you and get people involved in the process of creation because it's at the genesis of creation that if we're all doing things together, you increase the percentages of accomplishing what you want to quicker and you increase the percentages of people becoming more loyal to you, to the brand and to the cause. And that's really what I danced around.
1: So, Steve, you got your start working in the industry through your family business. Um, Correct. And you've gone through, I mean, a lot of adventures. You did share one of of the stories at the summit where, you know, tax man just left you essentially in debt and you lost your business and then created a new one, sold it and everything. So you've gone through a lot in, in terms of building your businesses and building successful businesses as well. And not, and you were saying like at the summit I remember you know although that financials were somewhat a foreign beast to you I think is what you said that today you actually specialize in helping salons increase sales and stuff for anyone out here listening and who isn't exactly the most analytical like empirical data is tough I mean how how do you learn to understand the story behind numbers like it's not always going to be black on white how do you how do you read between the lines
2: Well I love that you asked me that. And and you're very right. I, I never got past algebra in high school. I never thought I'd understand it. My perception was I wasn't smart enough to get it. So I avoided it to my detriment until audit, bankruptcy, lose everything I had built over eight years. And I didn't want to give up on the dream. And I had to fight to rebuild everything. And I was able to overcome it. And I had found a coach. And in working with my coach, I had to overcome that. And really, it came down to a a three-tiered way of relating to things. First of all, did I value what I had created in the company that I built? And I had tremendous value and passion for it. And I didn't want to give up on it. And I wanted to keep fighting for it. And I'm sure that every single salon professional listening to this feels the same way. There's, we, we place such a high value on the creative side of who we get to be and the artistic expression that comes from it. And being that one person besides a doctor in a customer's life that might literally and physically touch them. It's special what, what we get to do in this business. So the value piece is strong. It's then the next layer. If you've got strong value in this, it's perception. It's how you relate to things. It's thinking. You know, so my perception was I wasn't smart enough to get it and and that caused me uh to avoid things. So it really starts with your thinking. Uh you know, I also stuttered when I was a kid. I couldn't put sentences together. I got picked on relentlessly. Uh I lacked a lot of self-confidence. I didn't have a high level of belief in myself and I had to overcome those things. And you know, we all have defining moments in our life. Uh you know, so it, you know, what's the defining moment going to be for anybody listening to this when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you know you have to shift and make a change? Sometimes you have to take a leap and grow your wings on the way down and get uncomfortable and 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 face these things. It starts with the way you think. Anything can be overcome. If you find the subject matter dry, then you've just created that thought process. If you're telling yourself that, uh, you're not smart enough to get it, like I told myself that, then you just put that barrier right in front of your way of looking at something that can support you. So the shift first has to come with somebody realizing and being conscious and aware of thinking. From there, you then dive into habit and behavior. So if I have a strong value and belief in myself and know that I'm fighting to grow my business and 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 I'm not going anywhere, hell or high water, we're rocking this and I have a strong uh, belief in my ability to shift my thinking. Now I just focus on habit and behavior. Um, I'm reading this fascinating book by Charles DeHigg, who's an award-winning journalist, uh, and he wrote a book called The Power of Habit. And in the opening book, in the opening part of the book, in the introduction, he mentioned that there was a 2006 study by Duke University on habit formation, and says that 40% of what we do on a daily basis is not a conscious decision. It's an ingrained habit that we've developed. And when you think of that, if you can shift, if you're clear about what you value, you shift, you get conscious of your thoughts and shift that. And then you begin to create and, and formulate new habits, new behaviors. Over time, you'll transform. Typically, what happens with salons, though, is that we're so busy being busy uh, and we catch ourselves up and working hard behind the chair and grinding and then doing all the weekly things we have to do just to keep the operation open and, and afloat that we don't take the time to pause, reflect, think, and analyze. And then we tell ourselves, here's the perception, that we don't have the time. We tell ourselves we have to keep working five days a week with guests. We tell ourselves-
1: We have to keep hustling. Yeah. Yes,
2: we, have to, we tell ourselves we have to do it all. We have to make all the decisions. Everybody in here is counting on me to have all the answers. So we exhaust ourselves by that thinking and it creates the behaviors that we're living into today. So my mission is to kind of turn the mirror for people to see all of that in a safe way so that they can then slowly over time begin to shift. And what makes coaching so critical is to shift somebody's thinking and behavior takes time. It takes saying, no, 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 stop, work on your form, do that again. You know, it's kind of like going to the gym. You got to work with the expert who's going to make sure you're working on your form and you're nailing it and getting it down. It's the same thing, uh, but from a business context, it's supporting people to understand how they see the playing field and what they're doing on it. And to just little subtle shifts can cause rapid transformation. And the cool thing about rapid transformation is not only will an owner over time get more time back to focus and reflect and analyze and guide and be ahead of their curve, but they also, the best part is watching them become more confident in who they are as a leader. And that trickles over everywhere in their life. And that's where the magic is. Uh, We don't have to grind every single day for 20 to 30 years behind a chair or in a treatment room to be successful in this industry. It's subtle shifts uh, and being patient with that journey, where that 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 creates long-term transformative impact.
0: I think that's phenomenal. Like uh, I, I could have listened to you going on for ages about that there um, about changing the habits because it actually kind of works perfectly with this episode, considering that you said you used to hate the financial side of things and never really enjoyed it. And now here you are on our show talking about how to listen to your salon's numbers. So obviously that habit has formed for you. Um, And just to move into that then, you also mentioned about time. A lot of salon owners tell themselves, or, well, we know, we know time is an issue. Is there any reports that you would say, all right, listen, if you're really that busy, here's the reports that we should focus on today that will help you listen to your salon?
2: Uh, you know, on the daily, uh, you have to pull uh, what, what did we do yesterday and how does that tie into weekly and monthly goals? And it's not only overall performance, and I'm talking about service sales, retail sales, gift card sales, If you do any memberships, membership sales. uh, If you have rewards programs, how many people were coming in and redeeming? uh, What's your rebooking percentage? What percentage of your customers are taking advantage of marketing promotions, whether from a social media standpoint or or past events, or who's walking in the door and taking advantage of internal promotions that you have going on? But taking all of that information and being able to see what we're doing, also see per person? Because let's say I have 10 technicians that work with me, you know, who's really driving it. Maybe overall the business is hitting it, but if there's three people out of the 10 that are really creating 75% of the result, why are they rocking? And then what's occurring with the other seven? How can I get the three involved in helping me coach the other seven? So I'm not the one running around like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to manage everybody. That's like trying to herd cats. You just can't do it. You know, you're just running around trying to grab them. You know, you can't do it. So I think those numbers are critical. I always want to look at uh, what is what am I averaging per guest versus what my price point is? Because my price point, and by the way, I'm a big believer that your price point must be set not based on how busy I am and that I've earned the right to raise my prices, which is important. Supply and demand, I raise my prices. Been, I have a level of experience. I raise my prices. Uh, what's the going rate in the area? It drives me nuts, but people set their prices based on what other salons in the area are charging. Uh, while it's important to see that information and while all those three things I just said are important, we must set our prices based on our four walls. How much is it costing me to run this business? And if it's, cost, you know, I need to take my total expenses, which for my salon owners listening, include me getting paid as an expense. I then need to add profit. What additional profit do I want the company to make? Above and beyond all the bills getting paid me getting paid so my mortgage and car payment and groceries are covered in my life and I don't have to grind and worry and you know uh, and 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 work my butt off to just hopefully have money left over to pay bills. I need to know I'm covering all the salon expenses, I'm covering me and there's leftover profit. So I want to build all of that into a number. Make it divisible by number of guests a month on average over 3 to 6 months. Because every month we vary there's ups and downs in sales. So I want to go over three to six months. So once I, once I take that number and I can see my price point and my price point is here's where my prices should begin yeah. to cover all of that. Then I can compare it to what my prices are and I can compare it to what my average is. So um, I wrote a book called financial fitness and I have a ton of spreadsheets in it. And one of them's called the price point spreadsheet where you take all of this and you I created the equation, so it just does all the math for you, and it allows you to see that price point. So if my price point's 40 and my current prices are 30, obviously, I'm working my butt off trying to make money. Now, if my average ticket's 35, so my price starts at 30, but my guests are averaging 35, I'm halfway to where I need to be, but I'm still uh, running out of money every month and having to pay a lot of bills, and I'm in frantic mode. So helping an owner get clear about what's my price point versus what my current average is, then we can work with the team to bridge the gaps. So if I'm pulling the the data from my software and I can see my average ticket is I've got 10 stylists and of my 10 stylists, seven of them are over 40. The other three aren't. Okay, well, I've got 70% of my team making it happen. Let me help the other 30 move over there. So it's not just looking at the average ticket and seeing that it's growing. It's comparing it to what the business needs. So that, that leads me to the second part of what you just asked. And that's, if I were to take it out of the daily, which is micro level management, let's go macro and macro is your financials. And that's getting your profit and loss statement every single month. Typically as a coach, uh, when I start working with salon owners, they are getting their financials either every six months or once a year. They're doing decent if they get it every quarter. Most of them don't even get it every month. So we need to transform the relationship with our accountant and with our bookkeeper. The, the bookkeeper needs to be involved monthly. At the end of a month, the first three to four days of a new month, salon owners must be getting the receipts to the bookkeeper. Uh, so the bookkeeper can can put everything into QuickBooks or whatever. Chart of accounts. Uh, they're using whatever technology they're using to track this stuff. Reconcile the bank statements so that by the middle to the end of the second week of every month, a salon owner is getting their profit and loss statement and their balance sheet, so that they can start to look at key financial indicators as how the business is performing. Now, there's four to five ways the business makes money. There's 38 ways generally that the money leaves via expenses. You know, but of the 38 expenses. Uh, most of them are kind of set in there and and fixed or or smaller and don't take a big chunk. But there's key ones that make the biggest impact that salon owners through, again, perception, thinking, and behavior have the most ability to transform. Uh, Payroll, inventory, back bar inventory, uh, those are key ones. Uh, that they have control over, uh, how much money we're investing into having front desk and support staff and assistance so we can serve our guests at a higher level. That's another key one. You know, So to me, there's relevant and critical data that must be mined every month. So that way we can see over time, how is the business performing financially? And when I can start seeing those things, for example, my retail inventory needs to be at 50%. So if I'm spend if if I did 1000 in sales, I got 500 to restock the shelves. If I'm hitting that, then I'm on point, more profits being made. But if I'm at 60%, so I'm I'm at 600 bucks, I'm 100 bucks over budget. If I keep grinding that out over 12 months, that's $1200 sitting on the shelves as opposed to sitting in the bank. And that's big money over the long haul. So the ability for an owner to understand and look at that data uh, is is mission critical to me, Killian. So
1: we're talking about coaching based on numbers rather than emotions. I mean, for teams that are almost like family, because, you know, sometimes, well, a lot of times in this industry, people, you know, create these really, really strong bonds. Is there is there a kind of... A danger not doing this correctly and creating like an unhealthy competition or or putting a staff member against another? I know you mentioned, you know, how can I use my top three to help me coach the, you know, bottom seven performers? Like, what are the, I suppose, pitfalls or benefits and how do you go about coaching based
2: on numbers? I think the key thing is it goes back to what I was talking about earlier involvement. If I'm getting the team involved at the beginning of the process, If everybody is working with each other to come up with what we as a group is going to do, because we are involved instead of one or two, we increase subconsciously those connectors. So people start working with each other. It begins to foster an environment where there's more cheerleading and support happening in the culture. Um, A little creative uh, competition is not a bad thing. but it all goes back to how it's presented and what's allowed. You know, what gets rewarded gets repeated. Um, but the same can be said that if you're not uh, creating the en- the environment for people to relate to it in an empowered way, then as a leader, you're allowing people to fall back on whatever their mechanisms are, whatever their patterns of thinking and relatedness is, to. What competition means to them because some people thrive on it, others back off on it. So, if we get the team involved at the beginning and then we create incentives and ways of working with each other around it, uh, and we cheerlead each other, uh, it, we increase the odds of people not having an adverse reaction. That said, um, if somebody does have an adverse reaction to seeing their numbers and it makes them, it makes them kind of go into a shell or they go fight or flight, they resist uh, because you know their, their, their pride comes up and they didn't produce. Uh, that's natural. There's humanity there. We have to empathize, not sympathize. You have to say, okay, I understand where this is coming from. Let me ask you questions. Let me understand why you're reacting this way. Where does that come from? Let me, under, let me help you help yourself. There's, everything to me is disguised as a lesson to be learned and an opportunity for growth. So even if somebody is resisting, Zoe, uh, great, resist. It's your humanity showing up. I'm not going to make it wrong. I'm going to make it great. I'm going to be curious as to why there's resistance and seek to understand your thought process and seek to help you understand where that's coming from. Because the resistance might have nothing to do with me or the numbers. It's coming from how you relate to it. And who knows how far back that pattern was created in someone's life. Maybe it was the time they raised their hand to answer a question in school and said two, and the answer was four, and they got it wrong, and they got laughed at by the other kids, and ever since then, that's how they've related to it. So I think a lot of times we don't stop and, and get present and empathize with the humanity of things. Um, we just see that resistance, and then we react to how somebody resists. What's our perception of resistance? Then we subconsciously react. So as leaders, we must stop all that and just get conscious and allow people's humanity to show up. And it's a great opportunity to dig in and coach somebody. Now, over time, if somebody continues to live in that world of resistance uh, and just use that as a crutch, well, then there has to be consequence. There has to be accountability. You can't have somebody on your team long-term who's just gonna continue to think and be that way and choose not to cause a breakthrough for themselves. No matter how much we like you, Uh, If you're going to choose to go down that route, then maybe you need to choose somewhere else to do that if we can't transform you over a long period of time. So, you know, for those owners, they're like, well, gosh, I've been working with somebody for six months and they're just like this. Well, okay, maybe it's time to move on from that person.
0: Absolutely. I mean, like you don't want to have a team full of what we call nodding dogs. So people that are just going to agree with everything you do. You're going to want people that will challenge the status quo. But yeah, if they're just constantly going to resist for the sake of resisting, then maybe that should be something to look out to. But I do love your whole thing of your team has to be involved. So if you're not in the top performer, reach out to a top performer, get support. If you are a top performer, help the lower performers. I suppose it's kind of like the NFL draft. When you win the Super Bowl, you start from the bottom and then back up again. So it's kind of got that rotation. It's making sure that you're not having the same winners and losers every time.
2: Sure, I like that way of thinking. You did, you did just get me stuck on the Patriots winning the Super Bowl. Thanks a lot, Killian. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you you now get to coach me on my perception of that. <laughs> so we'll just we'll just leave here
0: and let that burn through your head for the Oh, yeah. I love it.
2: Yeah, yeah, burn through my skull, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the thing is, uh, we want it and we want it yesterday.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And when it comes to coaching people and transforming something in the business, whether adopting a new way of thinking or adopting a new system or bringing in a new software or bringing in a new product line or whatever it is that we're evolving into in the company, we have to be patient with the process. We have to stop and understand our thinking and shift first and then bring people to us. We get so ingrained in the way we do things and we we have a fear of change. You know, uh, change can be psychologically threatening and it takes a lot of hard work. Therefore, a lot of people don't choose to do it. But uh, I like to uh, think of it as being disruptive is a good thing. Where can we disrupt what we're doing and how we're doing it so that we can shake it up and maybe see a new way of getting the results uh, more easily over time? Uh, That, to me, is what makes uh, the mark of a great leader is their ability to disrupt and to really have professional curiosity. And what I mean by that is I don't care if you've been at it 20, 30, 40 years and you think you know the industry, continue to be curious about things. One of my favorite uh, analogies with that is Leonardo da Vinci was infinitely curious. Uh, he dissected 33 bodies over the course of his life out of sheer curiosity of the science of humanity and how we functioned and how we worked. And, and he, in his Codex Atlanticus, he is drawing different pictures of the human anatomy that are still being used to this day uh, as the introductory to anatomy for people that go on to become doctors. And he would do this because he was so curious about how the human body functions, and he wanted to have a better understanding to bring it over and have it be transcendent to his art. And if you think about any of the da Vinci paintings that you've either seen live, uh, or you know, if you've seen The Last Supper in, in Milan, or you see it in books, and you just are awestruck at how he was able to draw and paint uh, the world around him. It's because he was so curious about the world around him. He was always looking at and seeking to understand more. And then that natural quest and curiosity became part of how he then created things that 500 years later are still were still awestruck by.
0: It's crazy, isn't it? It is. That is beautiful, but there's just something that I just wanted to touch off at the the start of what you were saying. You were saying that as salon owners, you shouldn't be afraid to disrupt, to kind of disrupt the industry. Is that how you would plan to build your team as well? Would you tend to take on people with the same mindset, like disruptors, or do you need to kind of balance your team out a little bit? Because surely if everyone isn't afraid to disrupt, then it's going to be mayhem isn't it
2: no you do need to find you do need to find a balance i agree with you killian you have to find a balance uh you have to find people that uh if you just find 20 people that are just like you you're creating a lot of chaos you know so you have to find people that have uh if if i'm not operational and i'm not a systems guy i need to have somebody who thinks that way who is going to take me the right brain creative thinker and help me see things in a more linear way. Uh, You have to have those type of thinkers. Uh, You have to be looking for that in different roles in your business.
0: Yeah, because change, change management can be scary. So you nearly need as many different perspectives uh, before something has changed.
2: Very much so. And, and, you know, when you're hiring somebody or promoting them into a different position, this goes back to something I touched on at Summit. Um, we, we hire somebody because of their personality, their, the way they answer questions. They, they bring the good suitcase to the interview, you know, and, and we like what's inside there. So we choose to give them a chance. You know, uh, we promote somebody because they were amazing in the role that they were in so they earn the right to be promoted. But it doesn't mean that when we hire somebody because of what we initially liked in the interview process or when we promote somebody, that they know how to do the job in our culture. Nor does it mean that they know what they should be valuing and what skills they should be working on and where they should be spending their time. So it's up to us as leaders to find different types of thinkers and bring them into the organization, but to ensure that no matter if it's somebody is promoted or brand new, that we have a meaningful dialogue with them around, okay, here's the skills that are required in this position. Let's go through and you rate yourself on where you feel your strengths are and where your opportunities to improve in these skill sets are. And then also, here's what you should be valuing in the position and where you should be spending time. A great example is if I promote you, Killian, into an assistant management position, and you're going to now be in charge of running the floor and being in charge of supporting all the rest of the stylists to create great customer service. So you're going to start coaching them on their average tickets and retail to service percentage and rebooking and all those different things. You're going to be fired up to do it. And there are certain things you're going to take on and make it happen, but there's other things that you're going to need help with. So, and typically when we get promoted or we come in to a new job, we're fired up and we want to do it right so bad. So we put an immense amount of pressure on ourselves. So as leaders, uh, we just assume that, oh, I promoted Killian because he's been so great in this role. He's going to shine in this role. And that's not necessarily the case. Uh, You know, you need to grow into the position. You're gonna face things you've never faced before. So as the leader, I need to understand that and give you the time to mature and grow into the position.
1: I absolutely loved what you just said there. And I suppose that springs, um, I suppose my personal last question, what's the most important thing for you to consider when you're setting goals with each individual part of your team?
2: Wow, what a deep question. We can we can go all day on that subject. Uh, you know. A lot of salon owners don't take the time to know what each person's personal goals are. Uh, For example, how much more money do you want to generate this year behind the chair? And if you want to make 10,000 more dollars, what would that mean in your life? What are you fighting for? Typically, we get so busy being busy to running our company that the goals are all about what the salon needs to survive or thrive. And inherently, it becomes about me getting you to do that which is about the business, not about the people. But when we can take the time to understand what the people are fighting for and what's in it for them, uh, we can coach them on what they're doing because the bigger impact is what it's gonna mean in their life and their career long-term. My philosophy is, I don't want you to just have a great career because you work here. I want you to have an amazing life because you said yes to working here. So as a leader, um, if the goal setting begins over there with what are you working towards? personally, financially, and professionally? How do you want to grow as an artist? How do you want to express yourself creatively this year as a hairdresser? How do you want to be better in that way? How do you want to be better as a communicator? What do you want to do in your personal life? And what does working here mean to that? If I can take the time as a leader to get those questions answered, then I know the hot buttons of my team so that when somebody is underperforming or struggling, I can remind them of their why. And I can put my foot on their butt and push them when they need it. To me, that's where goal setting must begin first, because then when, when you know, if you two work with me and you know that I'm committed to you and I'm committed to your life and I'm committed to your career, then when it comes time for me to coach you or when it comes time for me to share with you a part of the business that needs support, you're going to resonate because you know I got your back. So you're going to be like, okay, what can we do? How can I help? We just increase the odds of that happening. So to me, that's where the goal setting begins. It's not about how we cut and color the hair better. It's not about that we put that system for how we answer the phone in place. It's not about how we mix c- color formulation. It's not about when we're pulling reports and analyzing them. All those things are important, but it really goes all the way back to the people. The most important resource we have are the human ones. And if I had to wrap up, that's the one that I would say the most. You know, it's the people. And if we take the time to understand what they fight for, uh, we uh, increase the odds of us transforming what we need to that much faster.
0: Get to know your team.
2: Yeah. Get to know them, love them and rock with them.
0: Well, listen, Steve, I think we're just going to have to end it on that one because that was a phenomenal end and any questions I add is probably just going to ruin it. So Steve, thanks a million for joining us on the show today. And for anyone listening to this episode, we will have Steve Gomez back on again. We've managed to secure another booking with him in a couple of weeks time. So we can always look for that episode too.
2: Awesome. Thank you, you guys. It's it's my pleasure to be with you guys uh, and I can't wait for more. Have a great rest of your day, you two. You too. Thank you.
0: So that was Steve Gomez on listening to what your salon's numbers are telling you and coaching accordingly. So Zoe, what have we got now for the second part of the show?
1: So I suppose same as uh, the last few episodes. So the next few things coming up are the Thrive Sessions, which Forrest is a sponsor of, and that's on March 24th, 25th in Seattle. And if you wanna sign up for that or want more information on pricing, you can head over to thrive-sessions.com. Just a quick reminder, I'll be running a workshop there called Lights, Camera, Post, Basic Photography Skills for a Stand Up Portfolio. And I'll be talking about you know, understanding composition, light, a few basic photography uh, skills like that. And also talking about some of the features that we're building here in Forest to help salons and stylists uh, build their portfolio and build engagement on Instagram. And then, as we've mentioned throughout this episode, we have the Salon Owners Summit Roadshow coming up on Monday, April 15th. So the conference is from 9 30 a.m. to 5 30 p.m. and it's followed by a networking reception. It's taking place at the Dalcy in Chicago. And we've got a few announced speakers already. So if you want any more information on all of that, it's on salonownersummit.com forward slash Chicago and Before we leave you for this week, we are prepping the 30 days to grow salon challenge that is going to kick off April first. So uh, do look out for that. We're going to start advertising the signups very, very soon. So keep an eye out for that on social media. And well, that's all we got for this week, guys. So as always, if you want to share your thoughts on this episode or have any suggestions, send us an email at forestfm at or leave us a review on iTunes. We genuinely love feedback and are always looking for ways to improve the show. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting edge post production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the Salon Owners Podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more and generating referrals. Let's grow.